With most training programs being delivered online these days instead of face-to-face, there's a huge market for online courses, which means a huge market for online course creators like you. The part that most course creators fear is not the content creation, although that can be a challenge in itself. It's actually the tech. The kinds of questions that pop into your head might be, what platform do I use? What's an LMS? How do I host my videos? How do I get paid? Etc. Etc. Things have come a long way in the last five years in terms of software and platforms. Even still, tech is of course a natural source of fear for most of us. But the good news is there are people out there who can take the tech side of things off your plate, which frees you up to focus on your course and of course your customers for your course. And this is what Denise Whiteley, based in Pennsylvania, does for her clients. Denise is my guest today, and together we're going to walk you through how you can set up your online course. This is episode 104 of the Training Business Podcast. Hey, and welcome to the trainingbusiness.com podcast. Every week, we bring you exciting news and interviews with training business experts and training business entrepreneurs from around the world. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. Here's your host, Mark Garrett Hayes. Hi, my name is Mark, and I'm the host of the Training Business Podcast. It's, of course, my pleasure to bring you an episode which helps you in your business. And of course, that's the training business, because this is the show for training business owners, for freelance trainers, for training consultants, people who make their living from helping others through their expertise to be the very best that they can be. And the goal of this episode and every episode of the show is the same, whether it's a guest episode, as is the case today, or whether it's an episode with just you and me. And the goal is to help you to start to grow and to scale a profitable training business. As I said before the music, the intro, today is all about setting up your online course. Now, it's not about the design part of the course where you take your understanding of your customers' needs and design content in a modular format which people can consume. That's more about actual instructional design, taking your knowledge and creating a learning product from it. We'll look at that in a future episode. Today is more about the tech, which is often a source of fear for many people because that's what holds them back. You know your content, but somewhere in your mind you have this understandable fear about not knowing how to get this thing on front of people because there's technology involved. But luckily, we have a guest today, Denise Whiteley, who helps trainers and coaches take care of the tech. There's lots to this. Uh, We'll cover as much as we can in today's episode in approximately 30 minutes. But I have invited Denise back for part two of this soon, and Denise has said yes. And I'll give you a date at some point soon when we'll focus on things like a marketing plan for your online training courses. Now, let's meet Denise. Denise, hi, welcome to the show. Hi, Mark. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Pleasure. So you were actually suggested to me by a listener who obviously is going through the process right now of figuring out how to produce a course and put this online to monetize it. Why don't we start with your background? What brought you to the point where you now have this program called Product Launch Concierge? Um, so I have a de- 
degree, a bachelor's degree in computer science. And so tech comes very easy to me. I was a programmer for about 10 years and then I raised my kids who are now young adults and I ran an online store for a nonprofit. So I learned a lot about marketing there and I kind of combined the two when I got laid off um, right before Hurricane Sandy in um, October of 2012. And I just combined those two and became a virtual assistant, which morphed into um, pro- like being a product launch concierge. I had to um, really, because there's so many tech tools and I would love learning all of them. So I kind of had to really focus down and say, I just use these tech tools and this is what I do. Because um, as I, I've been in business seven years and as I grew my business, I realized that my knowledge and skills really, um, I'm more than a, just a virtual assistant. I became like an operations manager and then I focused on product launches. Yeah, I think that's something that many people struggle with is, is understanding how to organize all of this, which is what you do, helping to clarify people's minds. And it's very easy to be distracted by the huge choice of platforms out there, technologies, which of course is growing every single day. So I think the purpose of the chat today is not about so much online course design, because that's a whole different conversation in itself. We're kind of bringing people to the point where they have a course structure, they've got content, so they've made an outline, and they have maybe a five module or a seven module, which is my course, and they're ready to put this online. And this is, of course, where you come in, which is helping them to set up the online course. So the first step for you, I guess, is helping people listening to this to choose a platform to host the course. And of course, there are a range of platforms out there. Uh, One which comes to mind is Teachable. That's one I've used. What other platforms do you, can you mention and which which criteria would help someone to choose a specific platform as being the best one for them? So my favorite one is Thinkific. I've also used Teachable. And what I like about Thinkific and Teachable is they host the videos and the other content in there. Okay. Teachery is another one, and that's about um, 50 US dollars less expensive. So people will go there, but then they don't host the videos. So then you have to pay, either put it as private on YouTube, but anybody can still find it or pay for Vimeo. Uh, so, Vimeo, yeah. Right. So yeah. that's that's why I like Thinkific or Teachable. Um, I, I like the way Thinkific navigates better. Like the whole um, menu is on the side, like all the modules and the, the sub-modules, for lack of a better term, um, uh, of in the course are all there. So you can see here's the video. Another thing I suggest is make sure you have audio so people can listen on the go without using up their data. Um, and then the PDFs or the homework or handouts, whatever. Like it's all right there and you can go through it and see it and think if you can do that in Teachable also. Um, so. so you can have not just the video content, but you can also hive off the audio track into an MP3 and people can listen to that as a kind of like a podcast or a, an audio track wherever they are. Right. If they're commuting, you know, if you're commuting on the train or driving or whatever, you can just listen to it with that, you know, while you're doing it. Because that's the best time when you're driving is to listen to something. So. What about pricing? Because I know for a fact that Kajabi is quite pricey. Teachable, Thinkific, how do they compare in terms of affordability for someone starting off here? So in the um, so I own Product Launch Formula, which is Jeff Walker's program. So I've really studied this a lot. And w- within that community, which is really interesting, um, a lot of people do use the all-in-one tools like Kajabi or ClickFunnels or um, Kartra is the other big one out there. They... I don't know the pricing them offhand. Thinkific is $99 US dollars 
$1,000 when you pay for it a year in advance. Teachable is comparable. Um, well, what most of the people in the in the community, like tech savvy people say, is use the separate tools like Thinkific, um, along with an email marketing system, along with a WordPress website, because you have more flexibility, you have better SEO, you have better um, connection to, for lack of like, for to Google Analytics, so you can see what people are doing on your pages. You can measure the ROI a little bit better. Kajabi is really nice. I've been in Kajabi. It's it's fun. Um, for me, but so, um, and it does, it does all of those things and it does each, it does them just a little bit. If you know what I mean, where Thinkific really digs into just being an online course where Kajabi, like a one-stop shop, right? Yeah. Where Kajabi is it's online mark. It's an online course. It's a website. It's a email marketing. So it has a whole bunch of, um, facets to it. So it's, they don't do any of them. Well, they do a really good job. Don't get me wrong but they don't dig in as deep as something like Thinkific or, you know, like an email marketing system like ConvertKit or ActiveCampaign. And is it hard to tie those together? Because obviously the advantage for or of Kajabi is that someone could use a landing page feature or perhaps the membership site feature or uh, something else. Is there a learning curve to hooking all these disparate things together if, if someone goes down the path of, you say, using ConvertKit um, and something like lead pages? Uh, and then something else for another part of the of the the whole thing. Most of them, not all of them, but most of them automatically integrate. They they have that the AP what's called the API set up. And if they don't have the API, there's a little secret tool Zapier which does creates the API. So that's how you can get them to connect. But not to go too deep into this. Um, when you connect, when I connected Kajabi to Active Campaign, for instance. Um, to get the double opt-in to work for one of my clients, I had to really design something to make it work. And we had to have double opt-in turned on to make it work with Active Campaign. So it, it, where if I just used Active Campaign and WordPress, it wouldn't have been that big, big of a deal or lead pages and um, Active Campaign and WordPress. It wouldn't have been as much of a um, challenge. So, um, you know, so that, those are the, kind of things I look for when I look for the tech tools, what's going to really play nicely together and so that it's always working. Because every time you run something, if something breaks in the tech, you want to know that you, it's easily fixable. So That's it. I think, I, mean, I think in plain terms, what something like Zapier does is it acts as a handshake. It kind of connects A with B. So often the way the systems are designed, they won't necessarily talk to each other natively, but through this thing called the API, uh, it allows one to speak to the other in, in plain, simple terms. But the good news is, of course, that someone like you can help someone to do that. That's not something they have to worry about. Okay. Yep. Good. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so when it comes to setting up the course, you know, taking the modules, the video files, maybe some accompanying checklists or PDFs, maybe that audio file you've mentioned, how long does that take to do to put all those things into the system of choice like Kajabi or Thinkific or Teachery? That's a really good question. It, it would take me maybe like for each module, you, you have to wait for the video to upload, the audio to upload and um, maybe like an hour for each module, maybe like for a six module, six or on average, like a six module course setting up the drip schedule. Like that's one of the things you do in Thinkific is set up the drip schedule. So they, they only, they get access like on a weekly basis, for instance, instead of as compared to all at once. Um, you know, that's a great point, Denise. I'm glad you raised that because there is a, there's a real um, 
there are two schools of thought on this. Some people say, give them, give this Netflix generation everything they want, give them the whole course, let them knock themselves out. And uh, because that's what people are used to these days in terms of consuming content. Then there's the other school, which says, no, um, that's unrealistic because often that might be an excuse for people going through the course and then requesting a refund. Whereas if you give them a drip, um, they have to commit to that schedule, get the work done, then they get the next content. Some people think that's patronizing. Other people think that's the way to go. What's your view on that? Is there a merit uh, in, in both cases? Depends on how long the modules are if, in a person's. So my, my school of thought on one thing is you want each module to be like 10 or 15 minutes. You want something that they can consume quickly. If you do, if one of your videos is an hour long, that's going to be hard for someone in this time-challenged world to consume all at once. So if they have 15-minute um, videos that they can consume, then they, they're more likely to consume them in their small chunks of chime, time they have, especially if they're, you know, a parent. So my preference is to drip it out and do it one at, like one at a time and let them get through that because then you have the accountability and you can add a little bit of like, you know, one thing they talk about now is gamification. You can say, okay, if you do this, then here's a little bonus for you. Here's a sticker. Here's a, you know, whatever. So I, I prefer that people get the accountability because a lot of people will drop off. They'll do the first couple of modules and then they won't get to the rest of it. Where if you keep them accountable saying, you know, you can watch inside of Thinkific or Teachable, are they consuming this? And if not, you can reach out and say, what's holding you up? So I, I, I'd rather people get through a course. Okay. So, I mean, I have got my outline for my online course here. Um, the very first one I did actually all about um, helping people to get uh, work as associate trainers, seven modules, three, three parts to each. And I can tell you that definitely some of those were more than 25 minutes in length. <laughs> Is that perhaps too long these days? You mentioned 15 minutes being a ch kind of an ideal time. What, what do your clients see as working for them in terms of duration of modules, particularly video modules? It really does depend on the industry. One of my clients is in the home repair industry and her modules are an hour long because she's teaching a, you know, a plumbing skill, an electrical skill. So that, and that's, you have to watch the video. But if you are, what you're teaching is, tell me again what the subject was. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's okay. Helping associate trainers to get work with training companies. So in 25 minutes, you're going to go into like one or two topics um, that they could take action on. So, yeah, and, precisely. Right. So that's, if they need the whole 25 minutes and they're motivated because they want to get the work. So I think 25 minutes would be okay in that case. One of my clients is doing um, like self-care. She does a whole course on self-care. So that's, I, that's where like a 15 minute one would work better because you're like, okay, for self-care, go make sure you exercise every, you know, every other day, for instance, I'm just making, you know, make, but well, not really making it up, but anyhow. Um, so this is what you have to do to make that happen. You have to put into your calendar 15 minutes to walk outside, you know, et cetera. So those are specific steps. So, and you have to know your audience really, really well. Like, what is your audience going to? If your audience is moms and you're teaching them self-care and they have toddlers and preschoolers at home, then you want 10 or 15 minutes. But if you're teaching someone who has eight hours a day in an office alone to how to get more sales, like how to get training, 
you know, being able to teach training, then they have 25 minutes to sit there and just focus on it. Right. Okay. So between six, seven modules, I think more than that, people feel it's overwhelming and they might, um, yeah, I might avoid it. When it comes to things like bonuses, what, which actually work very well because when people are hesitating about price, and of course, launching is a different topic, not today's topic, but if people are thinking about price, how well do bonuses work? The things that make people go, you know what, that's actually a good deal. I think I'll click buy here. So if you know your avatar, your ideal audience really well, then you know their language and the language you write is like you're reading their diary. So when you throw in a bonus that says, here's your checklist, like one of my bonuses would be, for instance, here's a checklist of exactly what I need from you to make all the tech work in the launch. That's what all my clients want. That's every single one of them that says, can you just give me a list? Hold my hand, walk me through this. Yes. Like, you know, and I, I give them a list. You, I need this copy from you. I need these graphics from you, uh, you know, etc. So if that's, that bonus really speaks to them, then that's going to help the course convert. So I think bonuses do work well, and I think they have to be very, um, you know, targeted bonuses. So if you say you get a free 15, 30 minute call with me. Again, it depends on the industry, but sometimes that converts, sometimes it doesn't. So it has to be something more um, substantial, like this list that I can print out, this uh, worksheet that I can work through that will only take me a few minutes, but it will make a significant change in my mindset, you know, which makes a change in my life, like those kind of things. Yeah. So effectively, if someone is um, thinking about this and hasn't quite the feeling that this is the right thing for them now, the bonus is designed to accelerate that decision-making process and make it kind of hard to say no to. So looking at my one here, um, what I was encouraged to do when I began this is was to put myself in the mind of the prospective buyer and say, uh, what doubts is someone experiencing right now? And I put all those questions down. For example, my first one is, I'm not sure if associate work is right for me. And my bonus then was, here are 12 questions to ask yourself before you jump. Another one was, I've never trained people before. My bonus there was how to structure your audition with the training company. Um, I don't know how to film and upload a video. And of course, the bonus is how to use your phone and upload a quick video. So you get the idea. It's effectively mirroring people's fears and answering them with some kind of giveaway which is part of the offer. Exactly. Okay, so coming back to all that content now, that's done. We, we now need to do the tech, which among other things includes choosing a shopping cart platform, um, something like Stripe, I guess. W what's important there in choosing the payment gateway? So when you purchase, whether it's Kajabi or Thinkific or Teachable, they have an automatic integration with Stripe and with PayPal. So like Stripe is my shopping cart of choice because it integrates with the learning management system. So um, with that, if you use, like I've also set it up on a on WooCommerce, for instance, and you, you can't set up an, a payment plan on WooCommerce, but with something like Thinkific or Teachery or Teachable rather, um, or Kajabi, you can set up the payment plan that way because when you offer your course, you want to, you, you want to offer the one price, like say it's $497 um, US dollars. And then you, you offer like a, a payment plan of three payments of, you know, 250 US dollars. Well, that's, you know, the math isn't right there, but whatever, like um, whatever. You want to offer a little bit more. The three payment plans have to be a little bit 
like have a little bit added into them for the credit card processing and your extra time for setting up the payment plan. So that's, that's what I look for when I choose a shopping cart is that I can set up that payment plan because that's what's going to convert also. Um, like people say, okay, as long as I can pay for it over three months, that'll, that'll help me buy. So, and they're like Sam cart works really well. Thrive cart. Like if you don't use something like Thinkific, but you don't need that extra shopping cart if you have something like Thinkific or Teachable. So that's got something built into it. Yeah. And that works straight away with, with a system like Stripe. Yes. And that's like just to, on the sales page, those doubts, you put those doubts at the very top of the page. Cause again, you're reading the diary and that helps them click the button to buy. So to convert, so which goes into the shopping cart. So the, the sales page is effectively, if it's well-designed, it's a page which takes no one anywhere else, but keeps them on that page and calls them to take an action, which of course is to purchase. Yes. What characteristics does a, a sales, a good sales page have that gets someone to buy a course? Um, so it should have your picture on it. For instance, they, they want to see your face. They want you looking them straight in the eye so they know they can know, like, and trust you. Um, they want to, the language on it, like we've discussed, has to be like you're reading their diary. Um, there are a lot of reasons why people buy in, in the product launch world. They call it like mental triggers, like the fear of missing out, for instance. So it has to address, you know, those different, not all of them, but it has to say, if you don't do this now, what's your life going to look like in a year? If you don't, um, take this course, like to learn to, to get jobs as a trainer, where are you going to be in a year? You're still going to be struggling or you're going to have three jobs that have paid you, you know, six figures. So, um, you know, like kind of tapping into what their insecurities are. So that's what the sales page should really address. And it should have, I personally like having a graphic for each module so they know exactly what they're getting. Um, people use like Facebook groups, for instance, or wherever the the community is of just the students in this cohort. So, um, so that they can, or even past students also, so they can collaborate and ask questions. So where, where's that community going to be? Is it going to be a place where I hang out? So like women, I think hang out, I guess women and men hang out on Facebook, but I know a lot of people are kind of walking away from Facebook right now, like in my circles because it's uh, it, you know it's it's a little bit too much like for me personally it's like there's so much in the u.s it's all political now so everybody's like i'm out of here you know so you know where some people are considering linkedin some people are considering slack the new players on the block or something like mighty networks where there's a community in there so you can in thinkific and teachable you can build a community in there so that's that's what people are going to look for on the sales page and so can I go one place and it's just these people and I'll get all my answers questions, my questions answered and my life will be better when I'm done this. So you just want to make sure you answer those questions, but you also want to have a fact of like objection, FAQ, I mean, of like ob objections like, oh, I, you know, an obvious one is, oh, I can't afford this. So you say, yeah, but if you, if you don't buy it now, you're really not going to be able to afford it in a year. So buy it now so that you have extra money next year. Like that's, you know, a very general one, but. Um, yeah. So it sounds yeah. like it's not so much about the course at this point. It's about people feeling that this is the right thing for them to do now. So the language is very important. It's, it's addressing people's fears, not rushing them into making a purchase, but addressing their fears. And again, that, that, process worked for me, which is the idea that you you write down all the kinds of doubts 
or questions that someone may have, not necessarily objections. They may not be objections. They could just be kind of points of clarification. What happens if it, uh, if that doesn't work? What do I do next? Is someone going to help me if this goes wrong? Um, if I've changed my mind, where do I go? So all of that FAQ kind of stuff, but also something which maybe makes people feel there's an element of scarcity, which, you're, which you said, is that if, if I don't take action now, I stand to lose something. And I think a common takeaway is that course creators um, promise the bonuses are available up until such and such a time, after which they're unavailable. So people have a kind of a narrow window within which to take action, after which the bonuses go. Right. That's, you know, that's one way of doing it. So, yeah, absolutely. Do any of your clients use countdown timers? Does that work? We have. Um, I'm trying to think. I don't think that's as much a... For my clients, like the first time you launch, I don't think it's as much as... um it doesn't work as well as like when you're launching later, like when like your second or third or fourth time launching. So um, I'm trying to think I did it with one of my, with one, we did it with a couple of my clients. So one of my clients is a health coach in, in New York city and we did launch, we did use count dine timers there. And that was, that did work because if you don't take care of your health now, you know, you're going to have, you're going to spend more money on, health problems later that result from you not addressing certain issues that you're having. So the countdown timer would work because if you don't sign up for this by the time the course starts, you're going to have to wait another three to four months until I launch again, you know, so. Okay. So that's the kind of Jeff Walker approach, which is that you close down the the shop for a while. It isn't opened uh, like an evergreen um, course where it's online whenever you want. Right. And I've done both, but for this client, like she only launches this course twice a year. So yeah, so that's... Are you still seeing that working, Denise, where people, course creators, open for a defined amount of time and they then say, the next time this course launches is in the fall. So until then, please join the waiting list. Is that kind of false um, scarcity still working? I, I know I use the word false, tongue in cheek, but some people think that actually forces people to take action. Other people say, no, evergreen's the way to go. What's your view on that? I like the scarcity option. I like having a finite, and this is my very, you know, this is just the way my brain thinks. So I, I like having the finite because then um, my clients feel like, okay, I, I have this amount of time that I have to do this. It is going to end. And like the first time they launch, one of the things that people teach is like, well, the product launch formula teaches is that the first time you launch, you don't actually have to create the videos ahead of time. You can create the course as you're launching it. So you're recording those videos live um, when you're teaching your students. And then you record them again afterwards if you want, or you just use the ones you recorded. Um, and then you can launch it evergreen or the videos are all set up. Like what my client did, her videos were all set up and we launched it twice a year. Like I said, she had three different programs. And um, so then it's, it's set to go. And all you have to do is show up for coaching calls, you know, once a month or whatever. So if it's the scarcity piece. I think that works better rather than being evergreen, because if you're evergreen, you have to constantly think about how you're marketing it. And, you know, is it selling? Is it not selling? Where you have time in between the launches to say, okay, let's, what worked, what didn't work, and let's change the copy. Let's change the graphics. Let's test this. Let's test that. So that's, 
just my opinion. I think we can dive into that perhaps on a separate episode. I'm, I'm conscious of time. I don't want to, there's so much we could go into today. <laughs> I know. It's uh, big topic. I mean, a lot. And, and you help people with all of this. So um, my plan is to have you back and to talk about the marketing plan and then the launch process specifically, because again, all of this is quite in depth and there's some tech in here as well. So effectively, the kind of takeaways today is that you can create a course. You don't have to be a tech wizard listening to this. There is someone like Denise who can help you. What you have to do is to come up with a market for your content. Try hard to, and it is hard, to define the minimum or even the maximum that you can give people in bite-sized chunks. Break this down into a course and then this content is put together by you as the course creator, as the owner of the content. You may want to uh, get someone like a copywriter involved, maybe someone who can help you with video and audio. It needs to be quality in terms of its look and feel. And then they enlist the help of someone like you, Denise, to help them put this together with tech and so on. So they choose the platform with you, which could be, as we said, Thinkific or Teachery or Kajabi or Teachable quite a few out there. And um, you can help them with that. Set up the course, which is the actual moving from video into a system, which people can then uh, use. And there are, of course, WordPress plugins, but that's another content, another day's uh, talk. A huge different area in itself. Um, choose a shopping cart platform, which could be something like uh, Thrivecart, uh, Samcart, or of course, things like PayPal. And the obvious one is Stripe. Um, test that shopping cart platform, test the shopping cart process. You can help them with that too, which is testing it from, from landing on that page all the way to buying that course and the subsequent messages. And then of course, setting up the sales page, which is the thing that people, it's kind of crunch time, isn't it? When people see this, um, price 497, they're about to buy the language and the structure of that page has to get people to want to buy and feel that if they do buy, they'll not be left stranded. So that's a whole different uh, discussion in itself. So why don't we end it today now and have you back then for a part two where we talk about the marketing plan, because there's a lot to that as well, talking about a content calendar for blogging and social media to get people excited about the upcoming course, uh, what this will entail, um, what kind of content actually works when it comes to creating enthusiasm and interest, uh, maybe a video series or email series or some kind of social media campaign. Um, we talked about bonuses today. We could dip into that in more detail. Um, lead magnets, the kinds of things which people can download and use in tandem with the course. And then we might talk about affiliate marketing, which is a huge thing I've not yet looked at, but I'm keen to learn more about that, what that does and how well it works for course creators. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah, I'd love, I'd love to do that. Yeah, let's do that. Thanks so much for coming on the show today. Thank you, Mark. Thanks so much for having me. I really, it's fun. I really appreciate it. Thanks for your time today. I hope you enjoyed this. I found this particularly useful. It's something I've looked at before, and it's something which is quite timely because of what's going on right now, the focus on online content and online course consumption. So I'm looking forward to bringing Denise back in a future episode in the near future to focus on marketing your content in the form of an online training course. So 
It also remains for me to thank Maureen, whose suggestion was to have Denise on the show today. Maureen gave me Denise's name and I quite happily got in touch with Denise and invited her to the show. And she said yes, so much so she's come back a second time or will be coming back very shortly to focus on marketing your training course online. So if you've got some ideas for guests and for content episodes of the Training Business Podcast, please keep these coming. My email address, which I read, of course, my emails come directly to me, is mark at trainingbusiness.com. That's mark at trainingbusiness.com. There is, of course, a fresh episode next Thursday. But until then, I look forward to your company. Take care. Look after yourself. Bye for now. once more for listening to this episode of the trainingbusiness.com podcast. Go to trainingbusiness.com and subscribe right now to be notified of great competitions, upcoming VIP episodes, and amazing special offers to help you succeed in your training business. See you next time.